Morning. Morning. Well, it's good to be here. We're in Christmas. Some people call it the silly season. I want to uh, change that. It's not the silly season. Let's speak life. It's the good season. It's season of hope, season of joy, season of life. Uh, For many Christians around the world, this is a time where they celebrate what they call Advent. Uh, The time leading up to Christmas is part of the Christian calendar. And uh, listen, to to be honest, growing up in a Pentecostal church, Christian calendars didn't really exist. And I'm coming to appreciate it a little bit more and more. Well, sorry, it was it was it was Easter and Christmas. That was it. Just those days, in a sense. Um, oh, and and Sunday, just get gather together. You know, that was about it. But I've come to appreciate some of these traditions, not because they're traditions, although traditions are helpful, but what they mean. And and as as I was uh, looking into Advent, initially I just thought Advent was coming up to Christmas, and the word Advent means coming. Come to, to, to come. And so it's coming to Jesus, or Jesus coming to us, the baby born in a major. But when you actually look into the history of Advent, it actually is more than that. In fact, it probably was had this other meaning, then connected into Christ. Uh, so while it does have us focus on Jesus who came as a baby... It also is to remind us Jesus comes into our life and Jesus will come back again. It reminds us of the past. He came as a baby, the present. He is coming into our lives continually and the future. He will come again. And that is part of our hope as Christians, our expectation. And I want to speak this morning about hope. What do you expect? Holy Spirit, I pray that as I speak these words, you would speak through me into the lives of each and every person this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to be reading quite a few passages from that section with a few other verses thrown in. But Thessalonians will be my main passage this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful work, loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope, expectation. This expectation reminds me a bit about, and particularly coming to Christmas, about... uh, a couple expecting a baby. Uh, they plan for the baby, and then they wait a period of time. Uh, and for some, even though for, for me, we actually planned all ours, for others, uh, the Lord directs their paths, and we hear of honeymoon babies. Uh, but when, uh, when it all takes place and happens, we anticipate a date. We look forward to when the birth is going to take place. We, we look forward expectantly, waiting for this little one as it draws closer and closer. We live a certain way. My wife lived a certain way. Mothers expecting will change what they eat. Eat this, eat that. 
that we will then prepare the room. Clothes will change. There's all the different things being done. There's preparation of the hospital bag. There's challenges along the way. The stork didn't just fly in and drop the baby. There was nine months of changes. And while my wife experienced physical and emotional changes, I and all husbands experienced the outworkings or manifestations of those physical, emotional and hormonal changes. Our first birth was, uh, was amazing, and uh, I remember we got to the hospital, and um, well, actually, let's just step back. Yeah, just, just the expectation, here we are, you know, leading up to it, we're, we're in bed, and then all of a sudden, uh, this hand just goes on me, Dean! I'm like, oh, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And she's like, just get the bag and get in the car, and, uh, and so then we get in the car and we drive out there, and, and, and you know... The car's just going and going over the place. And, and we get there, we walk in, and, and what do we do? What do we do? And just, just follow your, your wife knows what to do. <laughs> just walked into the suite, and there we go. And then just let it, let it happen. And uh, according to the doctors, our, our first delivery was pretty textbook. Uh, it just, the first labor, you know, went for a period of time. And it, it's, it's quite a long time. And uh, it got tiring. Um, it's hard to sleep on a hospital chair. I was, I was starting to really feel ex- exhausted. And not only that, my, my wife decided that the, uh, the exercise ball was, was helpful. And so not only could I not get comfortable in the chair, I'm hearing squeak, 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 squeak of the exercise ball. So I, I was pretty exhausted and it went most of the night. So then, then we come through to the final stage and... and um, my wife decided birthing stool was the most appropriate way, and so it didn't have a back on it. And so me, as the self-sacrificing husband, uh, I stood in behind her on my knees so she could lean against me. Uh, so I was like the back of her chair, uh, holding, supporting her through the birth of our first son. And uh, it would have been, it felt like eternity, but, you know, probably 30 seconds. I was thinking in my head, going, I'm exhausted. I've been up all night, haven't been able to sleep. I just need to, I need to tell Lisa, can you just lean forward for a second? I need a break. So I'm so thankful God gave me the wisdom to think before I speak. Because <laughs> as I looked at my wife, then I looked past my wife and I saw three or four midwives there and I thought, yeah, if I say something, I'm going to have like three or four hands across my face. Well, the birth was all went well to plan, and uh, we celebrated the birth of our, our first uh, born son. But, uh, you know, listen, you know, everyone wants to talk about how big it is for the, for the wife. I can see a lovely little newborn over here. It's, it's important. It's big for us husbands too, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Just want just to put it out there. Just make the case. Nine months leading up to the birth was an atmosphere of hope, an atmosphere of expectation. In Thessalonians, uh, Paul is writing to new believers in Thessalonica. Uh, We read about his trip there in Acts 17. He comes in to share the gospel as he's been traveling around, preaching the good news. And uh, very soon, perhaps a month into his time there, uh, some troublemakers stir up some issues and then he has to leave. He's forced out 
of town. And perhaps this letter could be one of the first letters Paul wrote. Uh, so we wrote it just a month or two, just shortly after leaving Thessalonica. And uh, as is with most of Paul's letters, as he introduces his letter, he often signifies a couple of themes that he's going to talk about in the letter. And this first, I believe, is a key part to 1 Thessalonians, where he talks about the Christian triad, faithful work, loving deeds, and enduring hope that you have. This is often referred to by many others as the essential skills or set of living for Christians. The three virtues that we need to be living or they're outworked in our life. They're not just philosophical ideas to have, but they're worked out. They're lived in our lives. They're work, deeds. It's endured. You need patience through this time. They're not works in regards to, I need these works for salvation, but rather the produce of our salvation. I like what Tom Wright says, each one demands effort. Effort. Faith is something you have to work at. It's not a work in the sense of a work of the law done to earn favour with God, but a work of love done out of gratitude for grace. It means thinking through the... Uh, thinking the gospel through and bringing your, our minds and wills into line with it. Love, which, as Paul will show later in the letter, is a very practical thing, also requires the kind of effort we associate with hard physical work. Hope needs patience, which is also demanding. However, unlike the other instances where these trilogy uh, uh, of words are used, faith, hope, and love, Paul says faith, love, and hope, emphasizing what I believe one of the main themes in Thessalonians, hope. So what is hope? Well, to help explain this, I want us to look to the big screen. Anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. 
You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kava for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the Apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the El Peace of glory. In both cases, this El Peace is based on a person, the risen Jesus who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The Apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is, but biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. Hope conveys this idea of waiting, expectation, built on trust, confidence, the faithfulness of God. Uh, they, they use the idea there of the, the Hebrew word of uh, like an elastic band. As we stretch it, there's, there's tension. There's potential, hope, waiting for something to happen. Waiting for something to happen as I stretch. Even as we go through pregnancy, there's that kind of Stretching time, nine months of stretching, literally, until it's released. Hope, hope. The idea of hope is connected to the word trust, which as well is connected to the idea of faith. And as we heard there, we, we hope because of God's faithfulness. We can look back and see what God has done and have hope. It's not just optimism, but our faith or our hope is built on what God has done and said and what he will do. The essential quality of hope is that it is oriented to something in the future 
that one expects but does not yet possess. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 8.24, We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we do not need or to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We look forward to something we don't have. This is hope. Something in the future that we look forward to. Something we can expect. In verse 23 of that passage, Paul then says, We have been given the Holy Spirit as a foretaste. A foretaste of this future glory. Our hope is not an empty optimism or an empty thought. The Holy Spirit has been given as a foretaste, a teaser, a trailer. As Joe read this morning about faith, Hebrews 11.1, faith is sure of the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of what we cannot see. It's something we don't have yet, but expect for, look forward to it in the future. Like a pregnant couple expecting a child. They don't have the child in their arms yet, but they look forward to the time when they will. They are expectant. And as they get closer and closer, the anticipation builds and builds to the point where the mother cries out, Get it out of me! Yes, most mothers know that, and the husbands have heard it too. The future waits our hope. That tension is built on or found on. The foundation is on God. God is our foundation. As the Bible Project video stated, God's past faithfulness, that is what motivates hope for the future. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, And the enduring hope you have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear that this enduring hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just hope for hope's sake, optimism, but our hope is in the Lord. This is our hope. We can hope because of the promises of God. He has promised and he has delivered. He is faithful. God promised to Abraham and Sarah they would have a son and that their descendants would be as many as the stars in Genesis 22. And God fulfilled this promise. And then the Lord confirms this when speaking to Abraham's son Isaac, where it says there in Genesis 26, 24, uh, the Lord says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. God had already fulfilled the promise of Abraham and Sarah having a son. Now he was reaffirming the, the promise of many children to come, many descendants. There are many promises, prophecies you could use and f- that are fulfilled throughout the Bible. Another reference to God's promise is in Exodus 12, 42, where they read in relation to the Passover coming out of Israel. It says, on the night of the Lord, uh, on that, this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring the people out of Egypt. The Lord promised he would deliver and he was faithful and delivered them. Mary sung the good news when she was told that she was going to give birth to Christ. She said in 
Luke 1, 46. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. And verse 55, for He made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And it was now being fulfilled. Our hope is in a faithful God. He is faithful. Not just empty thoughts of, oh, this is going to go good. No, we can have hope because of who God is and what he has already done. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. Then in Acts we read, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers together one place in verse 4, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. The Holy Spirit was given just as the Father had promised. God is faithful. God keeps His promises. Our hope is built on this foundation. God is faithful. What has God promised you this morning? What are you expecting in your life? I want to tell you, I want to encourage you this morning that God is good, He is faithful, and He will keep what He has declared in your life. This hope is about a future expectation. Pregnant couple expect a baby. Students at school expect to pass. We expect the sun to rise. Beauty pageants expect world peace. What are you hoping for? What are you expecting? The ultimate Christian hope is the return of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 But wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. And again in chapter 2, verse 10, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when He comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul connects the hope in Christ's return with the people there, the believers, to be with Jesus and all the other believers. Paul encourages the believers who have lost loved ones. They were unsure, losing a bit of hope because people were dying. They were talking about Jesus coming back, this, this resurrection or this return, but people were suffering, being persecuted. Paul talks into this, chapter 4, 13 to 14. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not Grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Those who are persecuted, those who are killed will rise again with Christ's return. The writer of Hebrews, in chapter 11, as Joe just introduced to us, earlier today, talks about these great men and women of faith. Further on in that great faith chapter, it says this, all these people died. <laughs> what? 
This is in the great faith chapter. All these people died still believing God had promised them. They died still with hope. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say they're looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for a country where they'd come from, they would have gone back. But they were longing for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They lived and died in hope, knowing that they will see this better place, this heavenly kingdom. In verse 35 of that same chapter in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Even in the midst when there's tension, they didn't get to see the release, but they still hung in there knowing that even if I don't see it this side of eternity, when Christ returns, I will see it. I will see it when he returns. This is our hope. We may not experience it right here, right now, but we will experience it when he comes back. That is our hope. That is the Christian hope. Jesus is coming back. He is returning. Are you ready for his return? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage, encourage, encourage each other with these words. Be encouraged this morning, church, with these words. Jesus is coming back. This is our hope. Yes, he came as a baby. He is coming in our lives right now. And maybe you don't know him right now or experience Jesus coming to your life this morning. Don't leave without inviting Jesus in your life. But we then look forward to his return. He is coming again for his bride. In 1 Thessalonians. 5.3. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, you do not, I do not need to write to you. You say, Dean, well, Jesus is coming back when? Well, good question. When? Too many people in the past have tried to set a date on this. It's not about setting a date. Paul says you don't need to know about the times or the dates. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor's pains begin and there'll be no escape. The great Larry Norman says it this way, two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one left standing still. I'd wish we'd all been ready. That's right, shows my age there, doesn't it? Friends, visitors, family, don't be left behind. It's not too late. It's not too late. You can leave today knowing that you are ready for the return of the Lord. Live in hope. Jesus is coming back. This is our expectation. This is our blessed hope. Do you expect the return of Christ? Church, he is coming back. Get ready to meet the King. He's coming on the clouds of heaven. He's coming back again with a shout. He will descend in power and glory as the coming of the Lord draws near. Get ready to meet the King. Who remembers that song? There's a few nods there. Yeah, showing age now. Yeah. And the saints shout, Amen. Bit of a hard rock 80s there. Bring it back, I say. Needs to come back. Just like Jesus coming back, bring back the 80s rock. He's coming back for his bride, for his church. You and I are his bride. He's coming back for the church. He's coming back to judge. There will be judgment. He will separate the sheep from the goats. He will call together those that he knows into eternity with himself. And those you don't know will be separated off to death and hell. But our hope is that we can go to heaven. We can be with God for eternity, forever and ever. That is our hope. We don't need to go to hell. We can be in heaven with Christ when he returns. When? Sometime in the future. My hope is that I'll experience while I'm alive. But if I don't, I'll know I'll experience in the next life when he raises me from the dead with everyone else. That is my hope. That is our hope. That when he comes again, if I'm still alive, I get to experience it. Or if I'm in the grave, he's going to call me out of the grave, out of the darkness, into his glorious day. That's what the Lord will do. This future hope isn't just an ideal for the future. It impacts the way we live today. This hope is for today, how we live. It is a living hope. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of light of the day. We don't belong in darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing the helmet of confidence or hope is the word there in this passage, of our salvation. Faith 
love and hope we are to live in. We are to wear as we live in the light. Be on your guard. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Wearing faith and love as body armour. Putting on the helmet of salvation of hope. The hope that you are saved. The hope that God is coming back again. Protect your head. Protect your thoughts. Feed yourself hope. Let it get into your mind into your head, into your heart, into your soul. Hope affects the way we live. Just ask a pregnant couple. Mothers expecting a child live differently. They eat this, drink that, don't drink this, don't eat that. They change their diet depending on what the doctors say is relevant for pregnant women. And it changes. And then the wife says, I want to eat this now. But we don't have raised potatoes and it's three o'clock in the morning. Now, husbands, I'm sure you've all been there. If you haven't yet, if your wife has a craving, just go with it. Just go with it. An expectant mother's body changes. Her clothes change. Her walk changes. These changes at home in preparation for the room. The pregnancy, the expectation of having this newborn baby changes the way we live today. So it is with Christian hope. The expectation of Christ's return changes the way I live today, impacts the way we live as we live in the light as we put on the body armour of love and faith and the hope of salvation as our helmet, it impacts us day by day as we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And hope is bound up with this conviction that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until, until the day Jesus returns. That is part of our hope. Church, God who has started a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. No matter your past, no matter the mistakes, hope doesn't change. Christ is returning. And through the power of the Spirit that He has left with us, we are being transformed each and every day into the likeness and image of Christ. Hope is essential for humans. It's essential for us. If even for us to see the future, hope is essential. Even if nothing else makes sense, hope leads us forward step by step. The little I know about depression and suicide is that the absence of hope leads to dark thoughts. If you're facing dark thoughts this morning, protect your thoughts Put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you this morning. In fact, Lord, I just pray right now, if anyone's just facing some dark thoughts this morning, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would impart hope this morning. The hope of Jesus' return, the hope that you have a better life for that person right here, right now, as we all, as they look forward to your return. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. He is here with you now.
God is with you now. He is coming again. That is our hope. That is the Christian hope. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, 11. For God chose us, so God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. That is our hope. So, verse 11, so encourage each other, build each other up, just as you are already doing. Let's encourage one another. Encourage one another. Christ is coming back. Either during this generation or the next. Whether we are alive now and we see it in our very physical body now or whether we experience it being called out from the grave. He is coming back. This is our hope. This is our expectation. Let's encourage one another with these words. Let's be known as a place of encouragement, a place where hope is found and lived. Like Paul says, just as you are already doing. I know we're an encouraging church. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's, let's make it part of who we are so that when the church enters in, they know and experience Wow, I feel encouraged. When I leave this place or be around some of us, some of us that will leave going, wow, I feel built up. Let's encourage one another. Just really felt to encourage you, Luke. I, mean, I know part of what, you know, what's going on. And, and I, I know you know this, but I just felt to say that. You know, just be encouraged, mate. Hope. Hope. Hope, yes, Jesus is coming back, but hope in your circumstance right now. That's a good thing. And I felt too, Haley, just on a, on a separate note, just as you were singing there before, just, I just felt you were on the edge of a new song. Just, I, just, I was almost going to yell out, go, Haley, new song, Haley. Just want to encourage you in that. You know, if you guys would like to come back up now, Musos, as we wrap this up. Finally, Thessalonians 5, verse 23, 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. For he who calls you is faithful faithful. God is at work. He is making you holy until Christ comes again. And what he said he will do, he will complete. He will do it. He will continue to make you holy day after day after day. Even if I stumble once or twice, hope is there's a new day. There's a new day that God will do a new thing in me. This Advent, as we come towards Christmas, yes, we're remembering Jesus came down from heaven and born as a baby. In fact, I like to say that if it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas because He came to give His life. But let's take it the next step. 
He came as a baby to give his life so we could be with him forever. He's coming back so we can be in eternity with God forever. That's why he came. That's what Christmas is about. And the God who said this will happen will make it happen because he is faithful. This is our hope. Christ came as a baby. And He can come into your life right now. And maybe you're here right now and you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You haven't experienced God coming into your life to give you a living hope right now. I would just ask if people just close your eyes across this auditorium. While heads are bowed, if you're going, listen, Dean, I haven't accepted Jesus. I haven't had Jesus come into my life. This morning, I'd like to... Let Jesus come into my life. I'd just love to pray with you. If there's anyone here, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see you. Anyone here, just right now, while the eyes are closed, would like to invite Jesus in this morning. Allow this living hope to enter into their life. Paul shared earlier, we have the opportunity to share this with our neighbours. A great practical way we can do so just by a letter drop. And hopefully to spark a conversation as well if we get to meet that person. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. How is your enduring hope? How is your enduring hope? I feel that people this morning are facing a challenge with enduring hope. Perhaps you feel like the elastic band is is really stretched. The tension's there, but it's about to crack. Not in a good way. Or perhaps you feel it's cracked and it's gone. This morning, I want to let God put hope back into your life. Whatever you're facing in your situation, whether it's work-related, family-related, personal, there's hope. There's hope. Jesus knows. Jesus is with you through it all. And most importantly, He's coming back again. That's our hope. This morning, as we close... If you feel, you know what, you just, you just need just a, an extra touch of hope this morning. You just want God to sow something of a fresh hope in here. Why don't you just take a step of faith and come at the front and allow God to minister to you this morning as we sing this song. Lord, I just thank you for each person here. I just pray that you will just fill each and every one of us with a, a new hope. A hope in your return. Not only in in the return as we look forward to that, but knowing also that you're with us each and every day, transforming us into becoming more like Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, just begin to stir hearts and encourage us as we encourage one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you feel you need some hope this morning, why don't you just come out and allow God to minister this morning.